0: All right. This is The Motorcycle Show, episode 18 for February 5th, 2023. I'm Crash.
1: Um. Oh, yeah, that's right. My name is Steven.
0: <laughs> it's been so long. Um. This is uh not the end, but it's not not the end. So this is a fun episode, I guess. And on an episode, I don't know that I'd ever thought too much about Uh, 10 years, 11 years ago when I started doing this. Like, when would it start to wind down and you and i have not been able to ride a motorcycle in like a year for various reasons uh or record for a more year. legitimate than mine yeah i don't know every legitimate every, every reason is reason is a legitimate reason um but yeah i've been on the other side of the world for a long time and will be for another year so we'll get it out of the way right up at the front we're gonna we paused the Patreon, so we're no longer going to be collecting your hard-earned dollars. We really appreciate all the support. Um, and we're going to do the show kind of randomly and sporadically when we can, if we have something we want to talk about. But yeah, this is like the last-ish, not last episode, but I don't know well, something.
1: In the, the last episode in the form that we're used to, let's let's yeah. put it that way, because yeah. we were pretty for the most part we never did a weekly show we were pretty consistent on twice a month for, and then that kind of dropped off and we did it when we could because of you know we always had a time difference for for the majority of man, I don't you were never assigned to an east coast base in the last 11 years no right? no
0: i live no. in san diego like the i lived in san diego for eight years and washington state for three before that so
1: Yeah. So it's, we've always dealt with a small time difference, but now with the 14 hour time difference, it's certainly a little bit more challenging.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, Um, for example, it's, uh, 8 PM for me and it's 6 AM for you. Yeah. So,
1: and you know, because of life takes, listen, this has been consistent with me as far as, you know, the, the, the ups and downs of, of what you're currently into, right? So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm owned a motorcycle with the exception of a gap consistently since I've been about, I guess, 17, 18 years of age. And, um, you know, at this point in my life, I still own two motorcycles, but they're sitting in storage and I haven't had a chance to ride them. Like you said, for over a year, part of that is the, the choices we make, um, when it comes to our free time. And for me, because I've got, you know, it's been like I said, it's been a while. The last show we recorded was July of last year. so people that don't know, I, I take care of one of my granddaughters part-time. so that that takes up a huge chunk of my time. and obviously I'm not doing anything when that's happening because when I'm playing grandpa, which means getting her ready, taking her to school, picking her up, getting her dinner, and then balancing that with work, which um, I have some flexibility there, but also, you know, time off. It's like so. If I have a day off, I'd rather do something where I can include my significant other than do it solo. And because she doesn't ride, yeah, nor does she feel comfortable on the back of a motorcycle. We've we've done other things, and we travel a lot. So we've done you know a couple cruises in the last year. We we own a, a small van RV that we try to get to as much as possible and travel in. Now, that being said, we've got a couple of e-bikes in the van, which are the closest things to mm-hmm. motorcycles I've ridden in the last year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You just kind of, and for you, it's been, you know, you you were out on deployment for a while. Yeah,
0: six months out of the year, we're gone out here. Um, We're, you know, we're getting ready to leave again in the spring. So, I'll, I've got a year left here, basically, and I'll be gone for half of it. Um, So, yeah, it's been tough. and. I, uh, you know, we were joking, you know, you said that you haven't really been following motorcycling. And I said for the last, last year for half of it, I didn't really follow anything. Um, you know, we had very, very little information from the outside world. Um, not necessarily intentionally, it's just the internet sucks. Like they're not, they're not trying to make it. So we can't find out what news is happening in the world. It's just that the internet is just bad on the carrier. And so, you know, with five with five thousand people all fighting over a very small amount of bandwidth, it you kind of just limit your interactions with the internet to essential things only. Um, which for me was mostly just like emails and booking
1: hotel rooms when we were going to pull into a port. So, so here's a here's a stupid question: Are you allowed to have some way? Like, are you allowed to own a Starlink on a ship and like go take it out and stick it on the deck? And no, no I didn't think so. none of that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we, I've been kind of
0: not intentionally, but not all like kind of like not purposefully out of touch, but just, you know, my job makes that so I'm out of touch for a big chunk of the year when it happens. Um, and I didn't want to buy a motorcycle when I first got here because I was leaving so soon. And then we were just talking before the show with parking, um, where I live. I basically depending on where you live in Japan, you either parking is just like uh, a lot of, a lot of people don't own cars. A lot of people own cars, but also a lot of people don't. So you've got a lot of apartments that literally don't have any parking or they have very little parking. They don't have enough parking for everybody who lives there to have a space. So you rent your apartment and then you also rent a, a parking space. If there's one available and where I live, There was no motorcycle-friendly parking available when I first moved in. There is one motorcycle spot in sort of like a fenced-off area that is actually, it's like a bicycle parking area, but there's one motorcycle spot in there. There was a motorcycle parked there last year. And then when we got back from deployment this year, I noticed that motorcycle is gone. So I just reached out to like the agent that helped me work with my landlord to find out if I can rent that spot, because I would like to find, um, this motorcycle that I know we talked about on the show before the Suzuki SW one. I have been, uh, asked by Phil from Cleveland moto, if I can find one so that he will buy it. And then I just have to bring it home when I come back home from Japan and he will come get it from me. So I'd get to ride it while I'm here. And as long as I bring it home in good condition then he'll just take it off my hands and i will have never had to actually pay for it just brought it home to him as a favor basically
1: Mm. because
0: the military will bring my motorcycle home as like household goods discounts against like the weight of the stuff i can bring home
1: so how many times times can you do that if you come home on leave can you bring a motorcycle with you each time
0: no it's only when i move on a permanent change of station okay but um depending on your pay grade your weight the weight limit is different. So the higher rank you are, the more weight. My current weight limit is 9,000 or 11,000 pounds or something, something like that. Holy shit. That's a lot. Yeah. It's like a full, a whole family, it's like a house full of yeah. crap with a family. And I don't have that. So, so how, when how, I, how
1: do they, how do they move that? They put it like in a shipping container.
0: Um, yeah. So the, when they moved me out here, the movers came, um, they, they, they literally pack up everything. Like you don't have to unpack, you don't have to pack, put a single thing in a box. They, they do a hundred percent of it. They pack it all up. Um, and then they put it in these crates. I don't know where those crates ended up. I assume they ended up in shipping containers, but they, they put them in these crates and then those crates get shipped overseas. And then a mover does the exact opposite. They, they bring the crates to your house. They unpack everything. They put your dishes away. They do everything. Wow. Um,
1: yeah. That's a hell of a service.
0: It is. Um, things often get broken. It is what it is. Right. Um, there's a claims process. I didn't have anything get broken this time, which was cool. Well, I take it. I had one little thing get broken. That was very insignificant. And I didn't care. So no big deal, but I have had stuff get broken in the past. Um, on other moves with the military, but this time I got lucky. Um, and as far as the motorcycle thing, the weight of the motorcycle just counts as like a piece, like a piece of furniture, as far as they're concerned, they don't count it as a vehicle. So the military will ship your car home, like to or from, or to and from Japan, uh, one, one vehicle, but then the, a motorcycle is again, and it's just weight. So I think when I moved out here, I had like 4,000 pounds worth of stuff, which means I have 5,000 pounds worth of motorcycles. I could bring home if I want, um, you bring home I mean, like ten bikes. Yeah,
1: that's um, kind of cool. If they, allow it is kind of
0: cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do that. Obviously, that's that's a hassle and it's a lot of headache trying to do. But um, you can, in theory. Like I, I know guys that have uh, brought home a lot of car parts. You know, motors, wheels, stuff like that, because they're into the the JDM like tuner scene, and so they brought home a bunch of that stuff to sell. Uh, I could see myself potentially bringing home two bikes if i like let's say hypothetically i i i fall in love with this ugly ass suzuki um maybe i want one for myself so i buy one and then you know bring them both home or maybe there's some other wonky japanese motorcycle that i want to bring home so i buy one of those two and i bring it home i don't really foresee that happening given my feelings about motorcycles like i love motorcycles i don't really get obsessed with an individual motorcycle to the point that I wouldn't just like sell it and move on to something else.
1: Right. Well, that, that that's that whole collector's thing, you know, like yeah. y- you're not, you don't covet something that you're going to go find. Whereas there's a small part of me that has that, but it's not usually, you know, that thing that Phil wants to me is butt ugly. It's just, <laughs> it is, yeah. And, but Phil likes these rare oddities, I guess. Yeah. You know? And I mean, this thing was made for one year.
0: In Japan yeah. only, um, and it's a scooter motorcycle hybrid thing. Looks like a Honda PC 800 and a Vespa had a baby. Yeah, it's gross. Um, you know, built-in saddlebags, leg shields, 250 cc
1: Suzuki motor. The only thing that's worse than that is that Honda MNH. Remember that Batman? No, the nmo thing?
0: 4 was zero four. Yeah, NMH4, yes.
1: whatever the hell yeah. that thing was, that was pretty ugly. That was that was quite bad. But I could see people, there's like this appeal to getting, you know, one ofs and rare stuff that's not around anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I have a motorcycle that's considered sort of rare, but the model was made for a long time. Just that, that, that particular version of it was mm-hmm. pretty rare. Yeah. That that being said <laughs> yesterday, I'm on the phone with the guy that I bought that motorcycle from and we were just chatting about some stuff and, um, He's kind of like you where he's not, there's no, he's not invested in anything in particular and he buys and sells motorcycles. So I asked him what his current stable was and I said, Hey, do you still have the boxer cup? So uh, for those that don't know, BMW had an R bike that, um, was celebrating Randy Mamala's Grand Prix bike, I guess that was Mm -hmm. a, a cup or a boxer motor and it's. You know, it has carbon fiber all over it. It was really a very cool bike. And when I bought my Moto Gucci from him, he, at the time, he was selling that bike as well. And he, I think back then he wanted $6,500 for it, which is what I paid for the Moto Gucci. And I, for those of you who don't know, I have a, a 2002 V11 10A, which is a very rare V11. They only made 170 of them. Um, And he was trying to push me on the Boxer Cup at the time. And one of the reasons I stayed away from that motorcycle was that the the part the replacement parts on it are ridiculously expensive the belly pan is 2500 bucks oh man the yeah. the carbon fiber valve covers are 500 dollars a piece and i mm-hmm. rode the bike and it was it wasn't it wasn't anything other than riding the experience of riding an r bike it wasn't spectacular i liked riding the moto gucci much better
0: yeah it's a r11 or yeah r1150 R1.
1: yeah something like that i think like, r1150 rs or s like I that. think it's an RS actually, but it, it's got know. Randy mamola's signature on it, you know, and it's got the it's painted yeah. up like the the race bike. It's kind of cool. I don't think mechanically, other than the carbon fiber, which isn't has no bearing on how it works. It's any different than any other R eleven hundred or eleven fifty. I don't think so either. Yeah, I think it's a stock motorcycle. So, and the the Moto Guzzi, in all fairness, that I bought had work done to it. it had a Power Commander, and it had you know a. a aftermarket crossover in the exhaust and aftermarket exhaust and, you know, the bike, not that it's any sort of performance monster ran better and was fun to ride. Well, he tells me yesterday that he'd sold it, sold it to a guy for about $6,000 and then bought it back from the guy for three grand. Wow. guy called him and said, yeah, I don't want it anymore. So he goes and he gives the guy $3,000 for it, goes and picks it up, gets it home and realizes this thing's been knocked over. Hmm. There's some scuffs on it and a crack here. Called the guy and the guy's like, Well, yeah, I fixed everything. My wife backed into it <laughs> with her car and knocked it over. And I guess the guy felt like he didn't have to disclose it because it wasn't really an accident. It just fell over in the garage. But so my buddy goes, Yeah, I don't want it. I'm gonna bring it back because he's like that. You know, if there's any damage to the thing he does. So he brings it back and he goes, You could probably get it for three grand if you call the guy. <laughs> I'm thinking the wheel started to turn a little bit yesterday. Right. Yeah. Like, like, do I want a boxer cup? Hmm. Right, like I t- to have it because I think it's really a cool looking motorcycle. I was like, hmm. Well, then I started thinking. All right, I got two bikes. I'm not riding now. That right, I'm paying for storage every month. You know, I don't know how many times we talked about me cleaning out the storage place and bringing the bikes to my house to save the two seventy a month, but that hasn't happened S- several times. And you know, it's funny you
0: mentioned storage fees like I would have to rent this motorcycle parking spot too. Like
1: how much does that cost?
0: I don't know. I um I've before this spot opened up, which I don't even know if it's open. It might just be that the person who is currently renting it is not keeping a motorcycle in it. Um mm-hmm. it may not be available, but um parking for my car is it's included in my rent. Um but the the tech like the technical like breakdown is that that it costs about 130 bucks a month for my just to park my car. Um, yeah. I don't have a car payment, so you know whatever. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if the motorcycle was close. What car did you bring over? I didn't. I sold my car and I bought a little used car out here. I have a 2009 Honda Insight.
1: Okay. It's right-hand drive there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, they drive on the left side of the road. It has ruined me for riding in the passenger seat of a vehicle in the U.S. or Japan. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't seem to have a problem. I don't feel weird driving on the left. I also didn't feel weird when I came home to visit my kids and stuff. Um, I drove my parents' car, and then I was in San Diego, and I drove Ashley's car a fair bit. And that felt fine. I never turned on, on the wrong side of the road or anything like that. But I did, uh, I did this thing where in the United States, the turn signal little stalk that sticks out of your steering column mm-hmm. is closest to the driver door. So it's on the left side. In Japan, it's on the opposite side. It's closest to the driver door. So it's on the right side. And the windshield wiper thingy is on the opposite side. So jumping back and forth between left and right-hand drive cars, you find yourself turning your windshield wipers on by accident a lot. Um, yeah. And so I did that a few times in the United States. And then as soon as I got back here, I had adjusted. So I did it again in my car. Um, I'd go to signal a turn and flip my windshield wipers on. Um,
1: That's like motorcycles that have <laughs> yeah. turn signals on both sides and you're honking the horn instead of you know hitting the turn signal it's weird yeah um
0: but yeah so i <clears throat> other than that little growing pain um i haven't had any problems but i have noticed when i ride in the passenger seat of a vehicle it feels weird
1: yeah like you're supposed to be doing something and you're not
0: yeah if i'm riding a pa- in the passenger seat here in japan i'm sitting in the what would be an american car's driver's seat and like I can't see out of the mirrors. And like, my brain is all like, what's happening here. This this isn't right. Right. And then when I was riding in my, in my dad's car, uh, when he picked me up from the airport, um, it was the same exact thing. I was like, I'm, I should feel like I should be driving right
1: now. This is, I don't like this. How many left-hand drive vehicles do you see there? Or not a lot. Um, I actually park right next to, I park right,
0: park right next to a Porsche 911 left-hand drive. Um, like every day. So one of my neighbors has one. And I've seen a couple lowriders. Um, there's like a handful of impalas and stuff like that in the Tokyo and Yokohama area. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize yeah. that there was like people like that. <clears throat> Basically, any subculture that you would think you might find, especially a Western, like a Western, like what like US subculture, but really any subculture you can think of there's an no, there's there's one of those here in Japan as well. So like low rider culture or uh Harley. Yeah, Harleys or um music stuff like jazz or blues or furries. They probably I think they started here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know for sure. Probably.
1: But, I'm sure they did, yeah.
0: But they are 100% here. We, actually I'll come back to that in a minute. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so there's all those subcultures cultures are here. So like there's a couple of lowriders I've run into. Um there was like there was an old Impala parked two minute two minute walk from my house the other day. Um outside of this uh hot spring, not hot spring, but like uh public bath, like a maybe they have a hot spring, I don't know. But it's a public bath like with the hot water and yeah, the right, big right, pool, right. whatever. Like a spa thing. Uh they're super popular here in Japan. And um yeah. The other day I was walking to the train station and there was this ancient Impala just sitting right in front of the place. I was like, well, that's not what I expected to see today.
1: I actually saw one in Grand Cayman when we were there nice. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It's it's funny that you even mentioned it. And plus I was noticing that the reason I asked about the mix of cars is when we were in Nassau, I saw it was like 50, 50, you know, that they, they, they drive on the wrong side of the road there. But there was a lot of vehicles that were you know, left-hand drive. And then it, it's so funny when you've been talking about this because it's been coming up a lot lately. I was in downtown West Palm a few weeks ago and saw a Suzuki truck I've never seen in my life hmm. that was interesting. right-hand drive that it, it almost looked like a Defender, you know? Yeah, interesting. I'm, I wonder. I'm looking, looking at it going, what the hell is that? And then I it, see the badging on the back said Suzuki. Now, granted, somebody could have stuck that on there to be funny, but it it said Suzuki on it. I'd ne- never seen anything like it. So I don't know what the hell it was. But it was a right-hand drive. I was it it was big though, like full size SUV? like yeah, n- No, like smaller than a defender, but bigger than one of those samurais. It was like a oh. between size kind of
0: okay. Samurai
1: samurais are pretty you know, recognizable because of their their size and shape. Right. Yeah. Um I just got a weird notification saying that our Zoom
0: meeting is going to end in ten minutes.
1: Yeah, I'm getting the same
0: thing. Huh, Time fun. left. Well, we can always end it and start a new one and finish our conversation. Um but why uh, why is that? I, it's we because we're no longer paying for Zoom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that <laughs> um, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But the oh the story i wanted to tell you which i can probably get on in under 10 minutes um was for christmas a buddy of mine and i went to uh, a maid cafe which there's this thing here in this one area of tokyo they're called maid cafes and they're not supposed to be you know in the in the u.s we think of like somebody dressed up in a maid costume as being like a sexy thing Mm -hmm. um here it's like supposed to be a super cute thing it's not Supposed to be a sexy thing, even though some of them are dressed real sexy. I don't, I don't get it. I'm like you, like guys, the whole
1: schoolgirl anime costume that's not supposed to be sexy, but you...
0: yeah, exactly. You're yeah. like you're telling me this is not sexy, but like you're sexy. I can't help you. i This is just a fact, right? But right. in at some of these places, they're in like Victorian full length dress situations. Like it's not sexy. <laughs> it's why? It's, like what's the deal? Um, I have no clue, honestly, but. We had heard about them, my friend and I, and we were like, let's go, let's go to, let's go get dinner or something at one and see what the hell they're like. So we went on Christmas day because he and I are both out here single and have fuck all to do. So like we go and the one we were going to is one of the biggest ones, but we got there and the wait was super long. So (laughs) we found another one. We got there and some of them have themes. So, for example, this one that we ended up with, the, at, the theme is all of the workers there are actually cats who have been transformed into human form by a benevolent cat god so that they can give back <laughs> to humanity for taking care of them. Oh and so you go in and everybody is dressed in like, you know, very cute, frilly Made costumes and cat ears and when you sit down they tell you okay so the, the menu is in cat language let's cast a spell on you so you'll be able to read it close your eyes and you close your eyes and they say whatever the hell they say and while they're saying it they put a pair of cat ears like a cat ear headband on you and they're like okay open your eyes you should be able to read the menu now it's so ridiculous and are there any
1: pictures of this um i don't want to see no i mean from your outing
0: No, so that's the thing you're not allowed to take pictures of the (coughs) maids during you're not allowed to take pictures of the maids you're allowed to take pictures of the food and of the decor but you're not allowed to take pictures of the workers or other customers (laughs) um i can send you pictures of like i think i have a picture of me and then as part of my meal I got like a combination like set thing that Mm -hmm. included a picture with one of the maids. And um, so it's like a, one of those Insta Fuji Instax shots. So it's like on a little Polaroid kind of deal. Um, So I could send you a picture of that. And then the other thing in Japan, um, they don't come by and ask you how your food is. They, they expect if you need their attention, they will, you'll get their attention by saying, excuse me, and then they'll come and they'll ask you, "Hey, do you need anything? Can I get you something?" But because this was a cat themed place, instead of saying "excuse me,"
1: they wanted you to go
0: "meow meow." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was. I got, I got a friend who would totally dig this. Oh, she would my, be all I, about this. I
0: told my friend Megan. She was like, "Can I work there for like a year?" Yeah. Like, yeah. My, my she- friend sings
1: this "meow meow" song all the time. It's like "meow meow meow meow." Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be totally into this. Yeah. Place.
0: So we went there. And that was for dinner. And then we had a reservation that night at a place called Muscle Girls, which oh boy, <laughs> it's basically because like being like bulky and muscly is not like super popular in Japan um, with men or women. Um, it's kind of a rare thing. They have this bar that's all girls that just like CrossFit a lot or bodybuild or whatever. And they're all the bar- bartenders. And you go in, you have you, it's an hour for all you can drink which there's so much crap going on. It's hard to get a drink, but, and they serve really big drinks. So you're not going to drink very many while you're there, but yeah, you go in there and it's uh, an hour, all you can drink. And they're basically putting on like a silly show the whole time. Like they're doing pull-ups, they're flexing, they're like making a handmade grapefruit sour by like crushing a grapefruit over somebody at the bar. Like, Like right in front of somebody and splattering grapefruit juice all over everybody um all kinds of stuff um this
1: uh, yeah i'm coming there i want to i want to see and experience all this yeah for
0: sure um
1: uh, it's i'm like i'm blown away by the maid cafe thing i'm looking it up right now i just (laughs) sent you a link for something like the truth behind the maid cafe is like it, it, of course, if it's going to be weird, it's going to exist in Japan. Like that—that that doesn't really doesn't shock me that they've got this there. Like I'm sure there's like because this is very anime themed, right? Mm, it, yeah, it feels it's, like
0: yeah, and it's like it's all centered around this like concept of like uh, youth and like cuteness. That is there's this Japanese word moe, which means like budding, like when like a flower is. about to flower um so that's like the whole maid thing is like they're supposed to be like sweet and innocent and cute and kind um yeah it's weird
1: there's a whole thing on here about how they have a subculture the maids do of like online forums where they rip each other apart oh i'm sure they're not allowed to gain weight or got to stay cute and everything. And it's yeah. like, Is their secret forms in their dishes. This is great. You just made my Sunday.
0: So if you look up Akiba Zetai, um, I'll send you a link, but okay. that's the
1: cat <laughs> one. Um, well, I saw pictures of a dude sitting in a chair with cat ears on and the girl, like putting a menu down. So yeah, that's probably the one. Um, this is amazingly hilarious.
0: Yeah. So the bar was fun. We had some drinks. Um, that was my Christmas. Uh, and I've been back to the muscle girls bar a couple of times because other coworkers are like, Oh my gosh, I want to go there. We should go. And I'm just like, yeah, sure. I'll take you.
1: Let's go. Well, when, when me and, when me and Marcy come, you got to, Wait, let me let me rephrase that. If I use bad grammar, I'll be in trouble. When Marcy and I come to Tokyo or to mm-hmm. wherever you're at, you've got to take us to that in the Muscle Cafe. I've got to see these things and experience them. It's okay. like the it's like the Heart Attack Cafe in Las Vegas. Have you seen that place?
0: I have. I've never been,
1: but so so we the yeah. went there, and the experience was: when you get there, they put you in a hospital gown, yeah, and they give you a hospital bracelet. Oh, right. right? And the waitresses are. Like dressed in fifties garb, and they they berate you if you ask for anything other than like I said, can I get a burger without such and I want a salad. She's like, honey, we don't have salads here. I'm like, oh, okay. She's and you're getting the burger the way it's made. I'm not taking anything off of it. Yeah, like, yeah. So, and then I asked for like a diet soda. She goes, we don't have diet soda. It's either alcohol or full sugar soda. So I'm like, okay. And if you don't finish your food, they spank you on the internet. They've got like (laughs) a a place where you got to go and they got a paddle and they record it and spank you. And they have a scale in the place that Mm -hmm. if you you weigh over 350 pounds, your meal is free. So there's a dude that comes in there that will get a free meal and then try to sell it to you. Like he's a a local, you know, transient guy that gets away with this crap. Yeah but there's all kinds of movie posters on the wall where they've changed the name of the poster to something talking about overeating or food. Uh uh-huh. There was a story about a guy that went in there and had a heart attack and died. Mm. And they play the CNN news story on a continuous loop <laughs> in the cafe. <laughs> like they're, they're proud of it. You know. <laughs> all right. Um.
0: Yeah. Our zoom call is about to end. So I'm going to was- go ahead and stop it. And it we'll was call all again. Right. All right. Where were we now that we're
1: back? <laughs> we were talking about weird cafes. And oh, I was yeah, Telling you yeah. the story of the heart attack.
0: Oh, right. The yeah. That, Cafe. that place The reminds me of a place called Dick's Last Resort, um, which is another place where they're kind of like intentionally rude to you. Yeah. I've never been there, but there, I know there's one in like Myrtle Beach, South Carolina.
1: Um, yeah. This place was uh, it, it was it was an experience. I mean, it, Believe it or not, the food was actually really good because they're making everything with full fat. Like mm-hmm. the way they do their bacon and they make like bacon burgers, but they, uh, they just put it in a pan and bake it. Mm. So, it's, it so it's sitting there baking and all the grease and everything. They make yeah. their shakes with butter. Damn. Yeah. So they're super creamy and they're delicious. They serve, they serve shots in pill bottles. Mm hmm. They sell cigarettes there with no filters, like cam unfiltered camels. Uh-huh. Buy, yeah, it's like
0: it's, so. It's pretty funny. The there's a couple of things that I just thought of about Japan. That so um, the other day I went out with a couple of friends of mine and we were at a Mexican restaurant and the food was delivered to us by a robot.
1: Yeah, they have that here.
0: That was like a like a. Like a trash can with wheels.
1: Did you notice the ceiling by any chance? Uh, no, I didn't see. I didn't look. Okay. So uh, how these robots work? Because they, they have these here mm-hmm. in Florida. Look at the ceiling next time you go in there. Okay. There's dots on the ceiling. Oh, You might not be able to notice them the way they do the paint the ceiling, but the robot's got a little camera on the top oh. and that's how it navigates. So there's a there's a, at least two hot pot restaurants in South Florida that use robotic servers. Hmm. And they, um, yeah, like you said, it kind of looks like a it looks like a rolling cart type of round thing with levels and trays on it. Yeah, exactly. It scared yeah. the crap out of my friend. Yeah,
0: because we're sitting there talking, and this thing just rolls up next to me. It's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: then
0: the other thing I thought about was you mentioned cigarettes. Um, they have these like, uh, things. I don't I don't know exactly what they do. I don't smoke, but I've noticed uh like I was at a restaurant um there's a thing in Japan called an izakaya. It's kind of it's not a bar, it's not a restaurant. It's a thing in between. Um and usually it's like kind of like if you think of like a Spanish like tapas bar, like small plates, of little snacky foods and stuff. Right. Um but I was at one the other day and I noticed a couple people smoking inside which was you know not a common thing in the states um in most in a lot of places but uh their cigarettes were like in a device like in an electronic device that was probably keeping it lit but also containing the ash and the like smoke that would be drifting off the tip of the cigarette really yeah i don't I don't know anything about these things, but I saw it like for the first time the other day.
1: So it wasn't like an e-cigarette that had like a video of the cigarette on it or something like that. Cause I could see the Japanese doing that.
0: (laughs) Right. No, it was, it was like a real cigarette.
1: Wow. That's crazy. Um,
0: yeah, I don't, it apparently it's like, um, it's possibly like a combination of an e cigarette and um like a real tobacco product
1: interesting yeah i don't
0: I don't Just know, but
1: the, the, the culture over there is so I don't want to say weird or bizarre, but it's interesting because like mm-hmm. there was some stuff you told me, and then there were some things I saw on YouTube channels about like they don't eat and walk,
0: no, yeah, you're not allowed to eat and walk except for certain areas.
1: Which is crazy. Like they go to a 7-Eleven and just eat everything outside by the trash can, I guess. Right. Like well, they that's a, they're probably not a trash can either. Yeah. yeah.
0: Most places in Japan um, don't have a trash can. Um, so apparently these things are heat, not burn devices. They they're somehow heating the cigarette and like allowing you to consume the cigarette without, a fire
1: well i guess the idea behind that is that there's no hydrogen cyanide from the combustion because that's one of the things that causes you to get you know mm. illness from smoking cigarettes is interesting yeah but i don't i'm not sure how just heating it's working without causing some sort of combustion anyway yeah that's bizarre and,
0: but yeah the yeah the eating and walking thing is a no no except for in certain places like yokohama chinatown um you're it's acceptable there mm-hmm. um, there's some and yeah no trash cans there there aren't a lot of trash cans around um
1: i mean that's the it's really kind of a deterrent from you carrying crap around right the, the I guess trash can thing,
0: yeah, I mean the streets are still clean like people people just don't seem to eat on the go so much like i every now and then i'll see somebody at like a train station standing like you know by the wall like eating something
1: right but it's not like we see here where people are like consuming constantly while they're walking around
0: right and um the other day i was i was i was picking someone up uh, a woman that i have seen a few times She was going to come back and I was picking her up from work and we were going to like grab dinner and she was going to come over to my house. But she suggested like, Oh, because we're probably going to sit in traffic for a while. Why don't we just like go to McDonald's and get like drive through so we don't have to wait and then like delay getting home even more or whatever. I was like, yeah, sure. And then as we're we're, like, we go through the drive through and she's like, wait, how are you going to eat? I was like, honey, I'm an American. (laughs) You could put like 45 things in here and I could eat them all fine while driving. Like this is not a problem.
1: And be texting on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah,
0: right. I was like, you could you I could have chips and salsa and like a soda and still text you. Like like uh, we're good. You don't need to worry.
1: We're professionals.
0: Like yeah, like we're driving along and I've got like my right foot on the accelerator and my knee, like my left knee on the steering wheel, and I'm like uh, eating a French fry and a burger. I was like, Yeah, see, we're fine
1: yeah it's classic, yeah and she probably was horrified too like no she just thought it was funny, filthy American uh, you know I was gonna bring something up speaking of motorcycles back to the motorcycle um wait what motorcycles so I have a ton of motorcycle gear that doesn't fit me that's almost brand new, yeah, and uh if anyone is listening to this in actuality and is looking for gear i i I'm going to give you my email address, my personal email address. Contact me because I've got like a completely brand new set of climb, the latest Badlands gear that is practically new and some other jackets and things like that, that don't fit pants. I'm I'm uh, significantly smaller. So I tried the stuff on. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. I tried the stuff on and uh, it's ridiculous. Like the climb. Badland pants or like sw- I could put me and you in them that's how big they are <laughs> they're huge
0: I lo- <laughs> that's funny I actually during uh the last well during COVID and then basically the whole time I was not deploying I was just like slowly gaining more and more weight um I think at one point you weighed more than I did it's possible yeah I think what so. what was the
1: highest you were at like 225 oh uh, I was I'm 197
0: oh yeah I'm probably way more than you right now
1: It's crazy. Um,
0: I'm so I got up to like 220 ish, you know, around the two twenties. And then when I got orders to come out here, I was like, well, I'm going to go on deployment. Also San Diego food is delicious and I'm leaving soon. So fuck it. I'm going to eat everything. And I just didn't (sighs) care. I didn't try to, I didn't like try to be healthy. I just ate anything I wanted to eat. And then I got to Japan and I was like, wait, japan food is new i'm gonna eat all of that too and so for the first couple months out here i was just like (laughs) pigging out all the time and then we got to the boat and i lost like 30 pounds in two months because we're walking i I walked on average about 35 miles a week that's um, a lot because of just the size of the ship and where my shop was in relationship to everything else and you know like 150 stairs, flights of stairs a week, stuff like that. Just like
1: so much so, movement. So I got, there's a couple questions I got to ask you. Like I'm, you know how I am. I'm fascinated by the way stuff works. And yeah. so I have a friend who was on an aircraft carrier and she was in, they suck. Yeah. But she, she you're I not said. your friend
0: of the aircraft carriers.
1: No, she says the same thing. She was in, she ran like the galleys. She was like in charge of food. Yeah. And um, I asked her, I said, is it like what's these things are humongous right i go yeah, come on like can can you feel the ocean she goes legitimately there were footprints on the walls i would yeah that wouldn't be us. surprising yes we the worst that
0: it got while i was on deployment wasn't all that bad but yeah i mean the thing moves constantly and you can feel it um if you stop and pay attention, you can feel it almost all the time.
1: Yeah. That's how it is on a big cruise ship. Like, but it's yeah. not, a, I mean, there was some rough seas on the last cruise room, but it was nothing like you don't. So
0: cruise ships have stabilizing things. Drivers. Yeah. They, they have, they have like cruise ships have many things that aircraft carriers don't like cruise ships have these, uh, motors called bow thrusters, which are like right propellers up towards the front of the ship so they can pivot um aircraft carriers don't have those they also have like basically little wings that stick out under the water and intentionally like pitch up or down depending on how a wave is moving across the ship to maintain level flight through the water basically yeah and they have the pods
1: too which the, yeah i know military like naval ships are shaft driven right aircraft
0: yeah aircraft yeah. carriers have nothing so they have propulsion
1: like like a
0: water no i'm saying like in terms of stabilizing uh, the ship in rough seas the aircraft carrier has the shape of its hull and the ability to point into a wave if they can see it coming but it's not like the 300 meter long aircraft carrier is going to turn quickly so Mm -hmm. you got what you got um Mm -hmm. there was one day that a, a rogue wave washed up inside the hangar um, and soaked an aircraft or two uh, like like Cow. crashed into the side of the ship um, it didn't really move the ship you could hear it like you could hear you could hear a boom and like feel like a shudder in a ship but it, didn't mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like it was going to tip the ship over or anything but <clears throat> it was probably a 30 foot high wave that just washed in <laughs>
1: So, you know, it's fun. I'm wondering if that's what, when we were on the cruise, we were in the theater, which is in the front of the ship, right? Mm -hmm. Like between, it takes up decks four and five of the cruise ship. And this was a pretty, this was the celebrity beyond, which is a big ship. And fun fact, it's captained by the first female cruise ship captain. And she's this big celebrity called Captain Kate McHugh. She's got a YouTube channel and a TikTok with over a million viewers and, she looks like sandra bullock you know really pretty she's got a cat named bug naked that's on the ship he <laughs> has his own youtube channel and stuff it's, it's it's like a whole thing surrounding this this captain yeah we're, we're in the theater and we're watching a comedian and i swear to you it felt like we hit something mm. this loud noise and a shutter and the comedian just made a joke and kept going so a couple of days later we we saw her and i asked her i'm like hey what was that noise like friday night and she's like i don't, I don't know like i don't no, what we didn't hear anything i'm like the whole thing shook and she's like yeah that stuff happens like i was like okay she's like hey we're still floating we're upright i'm like yeah i guess it's no big deal so yeah, I don't this know. is not the poseidon adventure so we're right 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 <laughs> but from the passenger's perspective i was like everybody's looking at each other like are the seven bells gonna ring now we're we gonna run to the lifeboat stations because it was right. like oh, are we gonna shit. see a
0: a string quartet like playing one last song
1: the other thing that was kind of interesting about this thing i I went for a walk and looked at the light boats on the side of the deck you Mm -hmm. you know what the capacity of one of them was Hmm. 440 damn yeah they had three or four on one side that were 440 and then one that was used as a a tender Mm -hmm. that said it said like 125 as a tender and like 230 as a lifeboat. Oh wow, that's big. Yeah. Four hundred and forty people. So on aircraft I'm carriers, do you just like stack them up in there. Like you got to lay down, and people like lay on top of you, and you <laughs> just like. <laughs> so those lifeboats were they,
0: um, like big orange like yeah, pods? Huge,
1: huge, not they look like a boat. They were okay. huge
0: because yeah. the. There are some lifeboats that look like a fully enclosed pod. Yeah. And they're designed to be able to like crash into the water and fully submerge and then pop back up
1: again. Yeah. They Um, have those on oil rigs.
0: Yeah. The ones that the ship, the carrier has aircraft carriers and Navy ships in general have are inflatable lifeboats that seat like 80 people. Mm -hmm. And they're in these, uh, like clamshell little yeah. barrels. And when they when the ship sinks they automatically pop off the side.
1: Um, and inflate. Yeah, yeah, and inflate. They they have a hydrostatic. So they they have those on the cruise ship for the crew. Sure, yeah. And they're they're mounted what looks like a depth charge launcher kind mm-hmm. of like yeah. on the side. Yeah, like, we have those too. Yeah. And then these the, the big lifeboats, they're fully enclosed but they're not designed to they, they have a whole gantry system. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of looking at it where it like comes off the side and lowers the boat down low enough to to get onto it. And you know, like yep. it comes close to the deck. It was, I mean, I, I'm sitting there, I was fascinated by it because of the size of these things. And then the obviously the, the tender one is a full-on boat with GPS in it and a radar. And you know, they, they use that. There's some ports where they can't go into port, and Grand Cayman was one of them, but they used a local tender service that was the most efficient thing I've ever seen in my life. Like these guys pulled up, 250 people on, and they're boom, they're leaving. But back and forth, back and forth. So they they did short excursions really quick using yeah. We do service.
0: similar things because the carrier is so damn yeah. big.
1: Yeah, we can
0: pull pier side sometimes. We did that in Singapore and mm-hmm. Busan and Guam, but in Manila we had to stay anchored out. And it's the Philippines. It's wacky out there, and like the hodgepodge of different boats, because it was basically like the Navy hired everybody that had a boat big enough to get people like to ferry people back and forth. So none of the boats looked the same. They were probably all run by different people, like different companies and stuff. And some were way faster than others. And some were way better at parking up next to the ship than others. It was,
1: it was. So do you have your own tenders on the aircraft carrier too?
0: Not for. Moving people around like that. We have uh, rigid hull inflatable boats, mm-hmm. um, like zodiacs, that they can put in the water um, for like security and stuff. But or like right. for rescuing people if someone falls off the side. Right. Um, like they're, for example, when we're doing flight ops, there's always a rescue boat manned and ready to go, and a rescue helicopter flying around so that if somebody falls in the water for any reason. We can, you know, get somebody over there very quickly. You know, helicopter or boat.
1: Is that common? Like, do people fall off the ship? Yeah. For what reason? Um, so nobody like fell off. or stuff.
0: Nobody fell off while I was out. But last year, somebody jumped off because they hated their life, um, mm-hmm. and was collected. Um, it, ha- you know that that is a somewhat not common, but a thing we've all heard of or been around. Yeah, yet. it happens. Um, and then there's also you know, if you if you're not careful, there's some places you can stand and you might get caught by the exhaust from an aircraft and get like
1: tripped and kind
0: of blown off the side of the ship. Wow. Like um, you gotta figure like there's F-18s putting out thirty six thousand pounds of thrust, like up to thirty-six thousand pounds of thrust per engine. And that might not even be the right number. It's the last number I remember. But um, you know, that's a lot of moving so, air.
1: Yeah. And I've heard stories too about this is horrific people being ingested. And mm, that happens. I've yeah. also heard about people surviving that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't okay. go all the way through. So what happens? They just um, get like stuck in the front, sort of and
0: yeah. So like um the intake of the jet will uh it doesn't it hasn't happened in a long time that I know of, but um basically it's one of the things where like a lot of the things you've heard of, including people getting blown off and, and a lot of the practices we have are Well, it around. just
1: happened at a it happened at a domestic airport a couple months ago. Mm,
0: yeah. But like and, on, on aircraft carriers at least, a lot of the uh, practices we have, we don't we we do them because people used to get knocked over the side or get sucked in or whatever more often. And now that we have all these extra practices in case in place, it doesn't happen very often um but the, yeah the ingestion thing um at least for us we have this like metal and plastic and whatever like helmet that we wear and if somebody's gets ingested head first usually that thing will get yanked off and that gets sucked into the engine and then the engine shuts down because it can't eat the helmet <laughs> right um or like if another part of you gets sucked in it depends on how far you get sucked in but usually something comes off gets ingested by the engine or you know, as soon as they notice a person getting sucked in, they shut the engine down. So, oh Jesus! I yeah, think and about it. The it's thing crazy. that happens, I feel like the the things propellers and rotor blades are far more dangerous to people than jet intakes, at least in terms of like statistically. Um, like the propeller, you know, you your the helmet thing that we wear can get sucked into the intake of a jet engine and break it and shut it down. Before I die, before my mm-hmm. head gets sucked into the intake of the engine. But if I bump, if I walk through a propeller arc while the propeller is spinning, I will you're die. In trouble. Yeah. There is no, no. There's no you're, fail safe. There's no nothing. Yeah, you're just die meat. Yeah, right. just
1: missed. <laughs> so there's only and a then, couple things like just the C twos have propellers, right? I mean, besides Helos,
0: E twos and C twos. Um, yeah. And then yeah, they're the propeller thing and then yeah the helicopters have rotor blades and those things uh it's a totally did come, different story Do they come low enough to
1: like decapitate you
0: yes oh really okay. yeah not all the time they're not supposed to but gusts of wind can like push them down to like four feet um when they're like at full speed i mean
1: i've, I've carried a lot of patients into a helicopter but... oh yeah
0: and it's totally normal yeah. like to like walk in and out like there's a there's a, you know, the three and nine o'clock positions, you know, from the sides of the helicopter are like, that's the safe entry and exit path. But like, if you're towards the front or if some dumb shit happens or like, like it, it wasn't that long ago that a senior chief in the Navy got hit by a rotor blade. And because the Navy sucks, they, we get to see all the pictures of it. Um, it basically knocked his skull out of his head. Jesus, like you could see a whole lot of skin that was a face next and to a skeleton like
1: skeleton head somewhere.
0: Yeah, it was just gone. Yeah, it was super wow. gnarly. Um, and, you know, the Navy is like, this is why we have these procedures. Look at these pictures. Like, motherfucker, I was trying to eat lunch. Could we not like, I didn't need that. Thanks. They
1: put it on the ship wide monitor. (laughs)
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, they probably didn't do it that day when that happened to that man, but like, you know, a year later it's in like training videos for the Navy.
1: Right. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably out there on the internet somewhere too.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like we just had a, an aviation like safety training thing that we watched that I had to sit through. It was quick and painful. Um, but it had like, People missing fingers and stuff in it, and I'm like, dude, it's lunchtime. We we don't need this. Jesus. And there's there's Ugh. a there's a navy safety poster about like not wearing rings on the aircraft because it's possible you know it's really easy to get your hand caught in things.
1: Yeah, we, we weren't allowed to wear rings in the fire department. That's why I never right. wore a wedding ring. Yeah, yeah, you get degloved really easy.
0: Yes, exactly. So yeah. there's a there's a picture of a degloved finger with the finger skin sitting next to it. Yeah, so you just see finger bone and then like yeah. an empty finger skin.
1: That that's actually happened in anybody that does any type of like construction or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's a bad idea wearing, wearing yeah. a ring. And then the now we got those
0: silicone ones now that are super popular. But well, that's military what I wear.
1: People. Yeah, I wear the silicone ones just because yeah. I, I I never got used to. It. Plus, because I didn't wear rings, I would take the thing off and set it down, and I lost like my grandfather's ring, which was my wedding ring for a really long time. Yeah, and I finally found it again. The oh, other thing I was going to ask is, you posted photos mm. that were really cool. How, <laughs> do you have to get permission to do that to be on the flight deck and shoot? How does that work?
0: I don't really know the way you're supposed to do it because I've never done it. But because um, so generally, it's not
1: like somebody's yelling at you, going, "You can't do that."
0: No, not really. Generally, it's one of those things where, like, if you if you look like you're supposed to be there, nobody cares, um, mm. and so. If I go up there with my camera and I wear the same color jersey that photographers wear, because we that's just we all, but we both happen to wear green. Um, nobody asks any questions. Nobody says anything. And then, especially when I'm taking pictures of my squadron, it's like clear that I belong to them. And so, like, it's up to me to make sure that I take pictures. I'm not supp- that I don't take pictures. I'm not supposed right, to take right, basically. Right, right. Right. Um and with the H60 there's really nothing I can take pictures of that's secret. Um with the jets they're kind of picky about some of the pictures. Um technically what I'm supposed to do is let the person in what's called flight deck control know that I'm going to go take pictures and make sure that they're cool with it. And then when I'm done they're they're going to screen the pictures mm-hmm. to make sure that I didn't like Get anything that any any angles i'm not supposed to have or whatever but i think almost all the pictures i took are uh of the helicopters where i like i know that we're good no matter what i'm doing mm-hmm. um and then the other couple ones like for some reason the intakes they don't want you to be they don't want us to take pictures where you can see right down the intake of the f-18 mm-hmm. there's apparently some magic happening in there that they don't want us to take a picture of <laughs>
1: The elf with the wand that, right? Yeah. Something inside. I have yeah. no
0: idea what's actually in there that I'm not supposed no. to take a picture of, but I guess there's something.
1: Right. Enough where they're bringing it up. So it's yeah. probably, yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to get into this random shit about talking about anything but motorcycles, but what were your thoughts on the shooting down the balloon? Shooting down the that? balloon? Have you seen this? No. So China has been flying a spy balloon over the US at about 60,000 feet. Hmm. And apparently once it exited the coast of like the Carolinas, we shot it down. Hmm. So okay. So you N- didn't even it. know. Yeah. Remarkably uninformed over here. Uh, um, I get it. That's just me really though. Like I've never yeah. really
0: followed the news.
1: Well, this thing's been like all over, you know, popping up on your feed and everything. And um huh. the the video of it kind of falling out of the air. Like they were saying it was some sort of weather balloon that that uh lost its way and um what i I, like i said i just saw a couple of headlines i thought it'd be interesting to find out when was it uh happened i think they shot it down yesterday or the day before oh yeah i definitely wouldn't have heard about it yeah i mean the video images they let the thing get all the way across the united states from what i understand it went from west to east so it Mm -hmm. was over montana when they first started to see the thing and then they reported one in south america too. You know, and they said it was above any commercial air traffic at about 60,000 feet. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, they made the decision to to shoot it down over the Atlantic. So they're going to recover it and we'll see what it's got pictures of. Naked people in their backyard, probably. Probably some Chinese kid that figured out how to get a giant balloon up there.
0: Well, I mean, the Japanese were launching weather balloon type things to... Bombs on the US during World War II.
1: Yeah, I know. We did the same thing. And yeah. uh, I'm sure that there are all kinds of balloons that are up. But yeah, this thing, uh, I'm not even really sure how they shot it down at 60,000 feet. But
0: it okay. says an F 22 fighter engaged it with an AIM 9X Sidewinder missile. Wow. According to BBC.com.
1: Okay. I guess I just had to like pierce it because <laughs> the, the yeah, images I mean, of it were like, yeah, it was like, you know, like falling down. So it didn't like blow it up where there was nothing left.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty interesting. All right, I didn't know if you saw anything about it. Okay. So how many more stupid questions do I get about aircraft carrier life?
0: Wow, as many as you want. All right, I, just so saw many- a video, I just saw a video of like, it's, I think it's a, it's a, I don't know which Joe Pesci movie it is from. But it's um it's, it's 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 this clip on Zoom or on on TikTok of that image like superimposed over somebody like looking at an aircraft carrier. And it was mm-hmm. like me when I saw my ship for the first time and he's like, What the fuck is this fucking piece of shit?
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all right, well, let's go down this road. How many stories have you heard about? UFOs being seen?
0: Um, When the news came out, like, when when that, like, that, like, the stuff that hit the news came out, that
1: was the only thing I've ever heard. I've never... Okay, so nothing on the ship. Nobody's...
0: No, and you gotta figure, like, with the helicopter thing, like, I don't... The squadrons don't mix all that much, especially the helicopter squadrons and the jet squadrons. So... I don't, like... My helicopters—we fly under a thousand feet, like ninety-nine percent of the time. So, like, we're flying around looking down. Well, there, at all times,
1: there was this whole story that came out about the swarm event off the coast of the Pacific with a bunch of Navy ships where they were like swarm at seven, eight hundred feet off the deck. Like, they even hmm. tried to shoot these things down. All right, never mind. Yeah, nope, no idea. You got nothing for me. Okay, so if that does <laughs> happen, <laughs> make sure to get pictures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I want to see it all because I'm like fascinated by all these stories from military pilots that are like, yeah, we chased that thing around for a couple hours, you know, like yeah, I heard a
0: I heard a interview with a guy not that long ago, um, where he's basically made a career of coming up with the the real explanation for a lot of these
1: phenomena, um, like so. Listen, here this is how I feel about this Mm -hmm. because I've heard this guy right and. Neil deGrasse Tyson's the same way, you know, that he's the astrophysicist mm-hmm. that's kind of popular. He's, he was yeah. head of the Hayden planetarium, but what really kind of changed my mind about this whole thing is this guy, Lieutenant Commander David Favour, who Joe Rogan interviewed, who is, was the black aces wing commander, you know, and this guy had direct direct knowledge like he tells us joe rogan's got him on the podcast for like two and a half hours he tells this complete story and the new york times released this story the pentagons released it it's what they call what they refer to as the tic tac event but you know this is a guy that's got thousands of combat hours and you know the commander of the black aces like not some dude that nobody knows who he is Sure. And he had direct, he, he looked at it like he was looking at it and then got back to the ship and, you know, it was debriefed and they're all laughing at him and everything and saying, Oh, you saw little green men. But the second, the second little sortie that went out was two Marine Corps pilots and they got this thing on video on a targeting pod at the time that was state of the art. So that's the only time I look at it, all these other, like the, this whole, um, the swarm event that happened. Everybody, including the New York Times, came out and said it was drones, you know, people are making this stuff up. And they had hundreds and hundreds of independent witnesses from the Navy that have come forward and said, yeah, we saw this. Here's what it is. And then the physical location of where they were, it would have been impossible to fly them from shore because of how far they were. And, yeah. and there was a ship that they actually had tracked that they thought might have been launching them. And in some of the events, the ship was in port when that happened. So it, it's just. I don't know what it is. It's weird, but yeah. I'm lately I've been like fascinated by these stories only because of this David Favore interview because of who this guy is, you know, and not he wasn't some UFO dude or some conspiracy, right? Tourist, yeah, you know. And at the time, he said like ranking wise, he would have been like fifth highest rank on the aircraft carrier, the the position that he had. So yeah. I, that's kind of credible, you know. And when you listen to somebody else who wasn't there, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, talk about, you know, optical phenomenons and shit like hey, bullshit, dude, you weren't there. So sure. So when you see something, you need to report back to me and get, you know, good, clear pictures. I want to know if they're green aliens or gray <laughs> aliens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I
0: <laughs> the, sadly, the, the mission of the USS Ronald Reagan is to uh, go around waving our dicks around and taking pictures of it. And then, um, to be the rallying cry for the rest of the United States if another country strikes first, because we are going to get our asses shot off and we're all going to die. And then that's, what's going to put, going to pull the rest of the United States into a war.
1: You guys are like the bait.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what we're there for. They yeah. don't say that, but that's totally what we're there for. Like
1: instead of the sharp end of the spear, you're the cheese at the end of the stick. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. They, they tell right. us we are the sharp end of the spear, but right. what? <laughs> that's not true. Like the sacrificial lamb, yeah, absolutely. Like, because if if China decided, or whatever country, but China, sure, if China decided we are going to strike the United States first, what's the most obvious, like, threatening target, whatever the closest aircraft carrier is? And that is us 90% of the time, right? So, yeah, and and we're not like it's not like the not like ships go around with like all their guns and bombs and stuff like up on deck, ready to load at a moment's notice. Like if a, if a fight broke out, we'd have to like get ready for it. If there was a surprise sort of thing. I kind of,
1: I kind of think though that the whole thing that makes me not worry about any of this shit is that whole mutually assured destruction. Like they might sink an aircraft carrier, but there's some big fat submarine out there that can launch an ICBM within minutes. Like Oh yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine we would ever do anything stupid or I don't know. I just like this to me shooting down this balloon was kind of provocative, especially when they let it get all the way across the United States. So like if this thing was connected to China and sending back images, they already got them all. Yeah. So they're like, they, they might even planned on, well, let them shoot it down. You know, like who cares? We already got all the stuff we need. Right. And and I'm sure we fly high altitude surveillance crap, not to mention satellites over China. All oh the time. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, I'm like, I'm not, I, I think it's like you said, it's all for show for the most part, mm-hmm. you know? And I also think, and I never used to feel this way until recently, I hate saying this, but I also think there's a part of it that feeds the military industrial complex. Like there's, it's just this cycle of buy this, it's out of service. Let's get a new one, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, there's something that performs better. Cause it's that, that's the way it is in medical craft, you know, medical gear has a lifespan and we just replaced all of our, you know, defibrillators Mm -hmm. to a tune of close to a million bucks. Yeah, Uh, it was over $800,000 for a small department with five stations to replace all of our defibrillators because there's a published shelf life on hospital equipment and the technology's gotten better and it exceeded all that. Right. I kind of, I almost kind of feel like, you know, this is really a good segue into something I wanted to talk about, which is gas. Do you know what gas is? Not the kind you put in your tank. No. You shouldn't know what this is because you have it just like I do. We it's have, a syndrome.
0: Oh, I, no, I don't know.
1: Gear it. Acquisition syndrome. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, I do have that.
1: We do. Both of us do. And it exists in all these hobbies that we have, right? Whether it's music, whether it's... Although there is something to be said about a vintage guitar. Mm-hmm. And I know you know this, but there's always other vintage guitars, there's always right. better ones that you might need to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> or motorcycle gear, like a new helmet comes out with you know a, a new heads up display in it that we just have to have to absolutely have to have. And when right. it comes to camera equipment, mm-hmm. you and I both like went out and spent obscene amounts of money at the same time, mind yeah. you. And, and now I'm going down the Leica road, so that's even worse, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's like you money. It's stupid. Stupid Yeah. I'm money.
0: I've actually got, we we need to wrap this up, but I'm going to, as soon as we end this, I'm going to show you a new bag. Um, Oh boy. Not a camera bag, but a bag. We'll talk Uh, about this. Yeah. All Uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to, again, thank everybody for listening to us for however many years of the last 11 years that you listened to us. And, um, we aren't, planning to be gone forever we're just we're not gone for good on a really weird schedule now where there isn't really a yeah. schedule to speak of
1: listen no. we'll try I'm gonna endeavor to try to get a show out once in a while by myself I know it's I'd rather record with you we've been doing this a long time we've been friends yeah. for a long time and we we actually haven't talked to each other in a really long time because of you being deployed mm-hmm Like even email was getting weird, you know, every once in a while I get something from the Navy from you, you know, like a official email address. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's all All I got for now. We'll get out and ride. Cause we're not. No. (laughs) (laughs) See ya.